what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. stories about what happened. It's true. All of it. The dark side. A Jedi. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV and this is it. (laughs) This is the episode, Chris. The embargo is over. (laughs) The embargo is over. You and I have for months now opted not to talk about this movie because we did not want to get ourselves overexcited, overstimulated, whatever it may be. But now it's done. We've seen the film. We are going to discuss in great detail Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, right here on this special episode of Foot Candle Films. We're not planning on doing anything else because I figure we can probably talk at great length about this film now. (laughs) So let's just go ahead and get it all out there. And then, Chris, we won't have another Star Wars episode review for at least like another year, year and a half, something like that, I think. So anyway, Hmm. uh, you doing okay, Chris? Yes. Yes. We're here in the throes of the holiday season. We're kind of scheduling this special appointment just to make this special recording, but it is for a very, very special occasion. Um, Chris, before we get into discussion, you know, obviously this is a film that uh, it's 30 years in the making, as far as I'm concerned, just kind of jumping right over the prequels <laughs> and saying going from Return of the Jedi to this one. It truly is a long in the making film that I think a lot of people that after Return of the Jedi was over and we were all kids, we wanted this next chapter. We wanted to know what was going to happen next Fair enough. Uh, with these characters. The prequels gave us a little bit of Star Wars fix, although, of course, very derided by most of the fan population had some key moments and it had some interesting story points, but really I think everybody was kind of jonesing for this next episode, this next chapter of the characters that we knew and love from back in the seventies and eighties. Sure. So Chris, you and I have both seen the film one time at this point. Is that correct? Correct. We've seen it more times. Just once, once, once each. I will go ahead and stay on record from what I'm understanding is that probably a second, second viewing may alter some of my viewpoints a little bit from what I'm going to talk about, but you and I both have positives and negatives about the film. Correct. We're not going to do anything spoilery in the main part of the show, but when we get to the end, we'll take a quick little pause and then say, yes, we're going to jump right into some spoiler stuff. Cause I do have a lot of questions. I would like to hear your thoughts on, and to do that is pretty much going to give away a lot of the key points of the film. So mm-hmm. with that, Chris, let's just start right off the top with the positives. Let's go ahead and find out in general, you know, how we're feeling from a positive standpoint about the film, then we can go into some of the things we had concerns about. And then you and I can both kind of give our overall summation on where did we fall with this film when it's all said and done. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works. Okay, great. So I think we both have like five key positive things that we want to bring out about The Force Awakens. Of course, let me just back up for anybody who's listening to this and is like, what is this Star Wars movie? I haven't heard anything <laughs> about this. Star Wars Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams directing... Um, you know, this is the George Lucas franchise, and this is the first film that Lucas is not directly involved in, which is interesting in itself and may come up in the conversation later as well. J.J. Abrams, director of Mission Impossible 3, he did, um, uh, it was a key producer on Lost, the Alias TV show, um, Super 8 film he did. He also did the, the two Star Trek reboot movies. 
So he's got the geek cred there, and I think the fan community was pretty happy when J.J. came on board to say he was going to be directing Episode 7. We know we've got Ryan Johnson for Episode 8. Um, but with that, J.J. Abrams piloting this new film. Of course, you've got both a combination of new characters and old characters coming together. You've got the First Order, which is the new version of the Empire that is threatening the galaxy. You've got the Resistance, led by uh, Princess Leia. Uh, no spoilers there. I think that's pretty obvious from the trailers and anything else you may see from the original trilogy from there let's talk about some of the positives i'm sure we'll get into some of the new characters as we do that as well chris what 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 really just jumped out at you as one of your key positives in this film that you liked well actually what what i've got you know i did like you said i did have five likes and actually it's kind of like a david letterman style except it's not top 10 i'm gonna go from five to one so i'm gonna you actually got these rated in order of importance to you i actually do while you're doing that i'm actually gonna rate okay So at number five, I have one of my likes was that jokes with very little cringeworthy dialogue. Yeah, there was a little bit, but I guess it wouldn't be a Star Wars movie if you didn't have some of that. But overall, the humor that was in this film, I thought was really well done. And it wasn't over the top. It wasn't cheesy. I'm going to call back to uh, episode one where we step in a pile of poo. And as we're walking through a spaceport area and Jar Jar does that. And yeah, it's just cringeworthy kind of stupid moments not that you can't have humor because all the movies have always had that but the way the humor moments were handled in force awakens that's that's uh my uh number five and and i'm with you on that that's actually one of my pauses i'll restate in a little bit but I, i think it kind of brings to me the tone of the film and i think humor was a big part of that but i think if they got the tone just right the balance of humor with the severity of some situations too it was you know, there were some very traumatic moments. There was also a lot of levity and humor. And it was more or less, I guess, the word fun kind of came back into my vocabulary with the film, which I didn't ever feel like I really had fun with the prequels. Sure. So that's something I was glad to see come back into the into the saga here. So, okay. Uh, number four, I'm mm-hmm. not going to go into a lot of detail because it would be spoiler territory, but uh, the character of Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liked about Phantom Menace was Darth Maul. Yeah. And spoiler, he goes away after that movie. <laughs> yeah. um, what I liked about the original 4, 5, and 6 from my childhood was Darth Vader. Sure. Uh, a key bad guy that is interesting, that has some unknowns. Kylo Ren is that. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about Well, that. I will tell you, it's my number two positive, like <laughs> okay. meaning my second favorite. Okay. I actually think, and again, I won't spoil any back details, but I think we've got a very interesting, complex villain. Not to say Darth Vader was never complex. Sure. He was more mystery. Right. Kylo Ren is not as much mystery anymore. It's conflict. It's that there's something more under the surface with him that you know he's got an inner conflict going on in himself. And I love the fact that he takes off the helmet. And we're so used to the bad guys in the Star Wars universe being horribly disfigured or something's just gone wrong or they're more machine than man type of thing. But yet with him, he's... He's kind of a pretty boy. I mean, he's kind of a clean face. I mean, again, I'm not going to go into much more detail about him. I think you actually see him with mask off a couple times in trailers. But, I mean, the fact is he's a very conflicted, interesting character. I want to know more about him and his background, which I did about Darth Vader as well. But for Darth Vader, it was more because I was – it was a mystery – with Kylo Ren, I feel like I know the mystery. I'm more interested in where he's going to go okay. as a character. I'm going to get, move on to my number three. But before I do, yeah. I just want to say, as we've discussed on the show, other than the very first teaser trailer for this movie, I made a point of not seeing any trailers. I ran out of the room when they came on TV. I definitely, not only that, I didn't read stuff. Okay. All right. So um, you didn't one, even know one of was my, playing Kylo Ren. No. Wow. And okay. I am so... Yeah. overjoyed and happy about that yeah. because let me tell you folks I'm not going to there again we're going to spoiler territory yeah. but I had no idea and a matter as a matter of fact in spoiler territory I'll tell you who I thought it was one of the things that I thought had been ruined for me mm-hmm. but it thankfully wasn't is I thought I knew who Kylo Ren was you were thinking it was somebody it that we was, knew it was totally yeah. I was like oh man and the whole like you know to start off the movie I was excited and I got in there and as soon as it is revealed who he was, I was like, do what? Like, yeah. and it just totally like well, blew great. my, blew my mind. And then you learn who he is. And then at one point you get to see, like you said, the person's face. And I was like, whoa. And like, I'd totally forgotten, like, because I, I didn't read a lot of casting stuff. I mean, we talked a little bit yeah. about casting, but 
Such a such a awesome thing to get. Unfortunately, I didn't know the casting. Oh, I didn't see any pictures of him, but I did know who was playing him. So right away, <sighs> I knew. Okay, well, he's a certain character, and that's where it's going to go. So anyway, right, man, um, was... I'm with you. Kylo Ren is actually my number two. I, I'm I'm excited to see that be a hopefully a mainstay villain throughout <laughs> the rest of the saga. Okay, so my number three mm-hmm. would be that. Uh, Ray, who's the new a new lead, as well as Finn, and they're uh, they're the kind of the co-leads, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. But Ray and Finn, the team protagonists for me, it worked. Mm-hmm. I liked their chemistry. I thought, and they were two to me unknowns. I think uh, yeah. Boyega, who plays Finn, he has been in like Attack of the Block, right. a and few so things, but he's still an unknown. But to me, yeah. completely, unknown. I think this is the first thing I've actually seen him in, and I've. I liked him. I, I think really in general the new characters, I'm, and especially Faye, if, uh, Ray and Finn, I am excited to follow them in future adventures. I want to know more about them. I, I was generally happy when they were on screen. The, the the dialogue they had not only with one another but with other characters in the film mm-hmm. was really exciting. A feeling I never had in the prequels. I never once said, I want to follow that character more and learn more about that character. These new characters they've introduced, that's actually my number one positive. I think the okay. new characters are my favorite thing about this movie. I want to follow them more. And I think Daisy Ridley as Ray is outstanding. Yeah. I think she's really, really good. And the fact that my entire family, even my wife, who's not a Star Wars fan, <laughs> loves Daisy Ridley now. And it's like, that is her character. And she wants to follow that character mm. and learn more. That's good. It's broadened the story out. It's brought more people in, I think, by making her the lead like they did. Yeah, yeah, and that to me that was kind of an unexpected thing, even mm-hmm. because I didn't really follow a lot of trailer hype or you know just stuff online. But uh, yeah, kind of it was a surprise to me, and I you know immediately thought of you know kind of like a Hunger Games mentality. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, that's yep. interesting. Or you know, science fiction wise, taking kind of an Aliens Ripley approach. Yes, um, but all good, nothing wrong with it. It's interesting. I'll tell you, so, there was a scene with her, and there's nothing spoilery about this. This is early in the film. This is a more exposition setting. But, you know, of course, she's she's a scavenger living on the desert. You know, the very first time we meet her, she's just pouring through old spaceships and mm. finding whatever she can. But there's a moment where she's out in the desert just by herself, leaning up against an old at-at, you know, laying yes. in the sand. Yeah. And she puts on one of the X-Wing fighter helmets, obviously, she found somewhere. And she's just sitting there, just putting the helmet on and just, just kind of out by herself. That moment tells you so much about this character, and it was just... I really liked it. It gave us so much more of a personal touch than we've had in these films in a really long time. So, yeah, that that was a. I knew exactly the moment you're talking about, and that that was that was really good. Um, so my number two mm-hmm. would be uh, Han Solo. His arc in this first film mm-hmm. was um, perfect, and that's okay. all I'll say about that right now. Yep. <laughs> but his arc was perfect. Well, I, I had Harrison Ford specifically as a positive because I think. It was good to see him having fun again mm-hmm. on screen. You know, we've had a lot of movies he's been in, and it just seems like he's kind of—he's never had that same spark that he had when he was playing Han Solo back in the trilogy. I think we got about as close as we could possibly get, given the age and where sure. he is in his career. We got about as close as we could to a pure Han Solo experience with him at this age. And I agree with you. I really liked his storyline here yeah. in the movie. He was in the movie more than I expected. Me too. Um, but it all made sense. Sure. Why he was. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So what's your number one? My number one, mm-hmm. and this involves a little bit of explanation, well, not explanation, it'll probably be pretty obvious, but my number one, as the credits rolled, in credits rolled, my number one was that there was no Jar Jar. <laughs> okay. And let me explain. No, honestly, You're that was a relief. Serious. That was a relief that he wasn't in it. But even more so, there wasn't a new Jar Jar. As in other yeah. words, there wasn't a new character that graded on me as mm-hmm. much as he did. So, that was an immediate relief, and I was like, "Wow, that was really nice." And there, you know, so cringeworthy dialogue, dialogue was there, you know, in some of the other movies. But you know, there was also, you know, Jar Jar, who was yeah. just like, you well, know. there was a lot of actually annoying characters in the prequels, not just Jar Jar, even like small little like moment to moment characters. There, you're right. There really weren't any in this film. There and were I, I odd ex- characters, there were unique characters, but they were never so poorly written that they just grated on your nerves. Right. And I, you know, I, I must admit, even though I knew Lucas had nothing to do with this and, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of sold the rights to Disney and Abrams was on board and all that stuff. I just was worried 
that they would still, you know, sometimes I guess maybe to appeal to little kids, they put things like Ewoks mm-hmm. or Jar Jar in there. And I was really pleased that that was absent. So that's my number one, like, awesome. like, <laughs> so. well, you covered most of my positives, but I'll just hit them really quick. Number five for me was Harrison Ford, having him, seeing him have fun again in the film. Okay. Number four is one you didn't mention, but for me, the look of the film, Ah. for me, the film is more lived in. I felt like obviously they use more practical sets and practical effects, which it showed. And mm-hmm. I think it made a huge difference in the film to know that I could actually feel like they were actually standing in a certain location. They were actually hands-on equipment and hands-on machines and ships. And that really made a difference. I think that made the film so much better than feeling like these were guys acting on a green screen stage all the time. I would totally agree. And something that jumped out to me afterwards, um, Mm -hmm. I had kind of forgotten about that point, but something that jumped out to me afterwards is in all the other movies and in most science fiction movies, honestly, um, especially ones made nowadays, you always get the feeling that even though the surroundings are kind of cool and you can kind of forget yourself, but for the most part, you never really get a sense of like, yeah, that's green screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really cool and you can kind of forget about that and still enjoy the movie. But with this movie, what stuck out to me, like you said, is the surroundings and they look lived in, but also like it wasn't either a really cool environment, which meant it was green screen or desert. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what in most movies that's what it seems because you know desert you go over to somewhere in Africa or somewhere you know mm. and you just shoot a desert and a desert's a desert and it's like okay I mean it's still cool but it's like whatever with this I mean they had desert but then they had lived in green play and not like mm-hmm. indoor with like crazy trees oh, yeah. but like you know it was like or there's a some scenes and a battle on like a snow thing but it wasn't like Hoth for instance right. it was like a normal, like you could be having a snow battle somewhere at a park near you. Yep. You know, it was like, right. and that was a cool, that was it a cool thing. It wasn't an ice planet. It was a right. planet that just happened to have a lot yeah, of snow. Yeah, it's like, on oh, it. these right. planets have more than one climate on mm-hmm. them, not just desert or this, but it could have, you know, it's just, that was felt more real. And that was something I had not expected. So, yeah, I think the look of the film overall was beautiful and I think just felt right. And it just had the right amount of grime to it at times. And, right. the, you know, even the fact that you could tell there were many of the, characters on the desert planet or in the uh, pseudo cantina scene at one point in the film where there's a lot of interesting characters a lot of them were guys in makeup guys in latex i mean it was not all just this big cgi overdone spectacle which was great it just felt so refreshing to see that again and i feel like i was just watching computerized versions of an entire scene i actually there were human beings actually acting out saint parts with giant costumes on and latex and everything else and that was it was cool. It yeah, just really worked. So, absolutely. Um, number three was the tone of the film for me. The fact that they actually brought in a lot more humor and actually made it a good balance of both very, very serious along with the great one-liners. I think the dialogue was and pretty good snappy. Hum- not just like yeah. dumb. You know? Right. And I got to give a lot of it to, uh, I think my, one of my favorite scenes in the film was probably the rescue Finn rescuing Poe early in the film okay. to get him out of the, yeah. uh, and it's just the dialogue they have as just, well, Poe in general, I think is hilarious. And I'll get to him with a, a negative in a little bit. But his one-liners, and then when he and Finn meet up, and it's, you know, hey, I'm here to rescue you. And it's like, really, you just need a pilot, right? It's like, yeah, I just need a pilot. <laughs> and it's just the dialogue, they have the banter. I'm like, yes, this yep, is Star Wars. That's this there. is what I want right yep. there. So Absolutely. So do we move on to the negatives now? We move to the dark side? Move to the dark side. Okay. And I've got mine ranked the same way you do. So okay. why don't you go ahead and hit me with your... <clears throat> number five negative, your least impactful of the negatives. So. Okay. Uh, Dumhall Gleason. I mm. like him and I like him a lot. He was in ex machina this yeah. year. Um, he's been in other movies. I, I like him as an actor. Yeah. I really like, I believe it's his dad, Brendan Gleason. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, he does like Calvary and stuff. Like right. that. Anyways, I like him. He plays um, general Hux. In this he movie. does. Mm-hmm. And something just was off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's maybe because I associate him with playing a certain type of character, you know, normally mm-hmm. kind of a nice guy, kind of goofy and you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And from his very first scene, he strikes this actually very, a new hope type tone of all the guys that are ever wearing black in star Wars movies and like the black leather, like military kind of uniforms. They have this very clipped manner of speaking and seem like overly serious or whatever. And like really uptight or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was him. And it was almost like he was playing at that, like, you know, kind of wanting to like make you recall those old style characters as opposed to just 
being himself and kind of like doing the role. Like it was, and it was distracting to me because I know he's not a bad actor. Right. So it was like, what is going on? And the only thing I can think of is that they wanted you specifically to recall a certain style of like clipped English acting and like, Mm. you know, but it was just distracting to me. And I, I didn't, I didn't like it. I, I think he might've been just a few years too young also for the maybe, role. Maybe I that's think that it. hurt a little bit of maybe it. Maybe that's um, it. He just didn't carry the weight that I felt like that role needed to have. Yeah. You know, actually I think that's it. It's mm. not, it's an older guy acting like that kind of blustery and everything would make kind of sense. But this younger guy doesn't. Yeah. I think maybe that, I think that's that could what it be is. it. Because but, if you think about it, he actually you know, was in control underneath General Snoke, who I'll be mentioning here in a moment. Um, and Kylo Ren technically reported to Hux. Okay, so Hux had him under kind of his thumb a little bit. True. But yet, he just never carried off that gravitas that we needed to show somebody who was really in control of this whole new empire, you know, like, like he should have been. So I, I'm with you on that. It wasn't one of my five, but I, I, I can see your point there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number four, for mm-hmm. me there again, we're working up in yep. the uh, negatives. Uh, number four was Too Little, Oscar Isaac, and Lupita Nyong'o. Um, I I did know that they were in this movie. I did not know their roles. There yeah. again, like I heard basically one of the last spoilers for me, other than seeing the very first trailer, was I kind of got a cast list. Yeah. And then I forgot, obviously, some of the people that were in it. But then I definitely never knew their roles. Yeah. Um, so I won't even bother saying their roles in the film. Um, well... And I'm going to add one more person to that. Okay. I agree with you about Oscar Isaac. I was, that was actually my number five negative. It's just okay. disappointment that I think we had a really fun, interesting character that, and a great actor. Absolutely. So little used in the film. I mean, shockingly underused, in my opinion, from what I expected him to be going into the film. Yeah, he's ex machina as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will add the uh, chrome stormtrooper to the mix as well. That was kind of a big deal when they cast it, news-wise, because it was a female. It was a Who? female stormtrooper. She's on Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I saw some buzz after I watched the yeah. film. I saw some buzz online about how excited some people were. And it was kind of a cool character, but I didn't know who the person well, was. But it's a Game of Thrones person. Yeah, she okay. was in the film twice, okay. from what I can tell, two scenes. And while one scene was pretty cool, the other one was, you know, she was kind of getting her butt handed to her in a way. And it was just not... It had a little bit of a Boba Fett feel to it, where it's a really cool-looking character, and you really wanted more of it. But like hmm. in Empire Strikes Back, maybe we didn't really see a whole lot of them. And it was a disappointment for me. So this was Captain Phasma? Captain Phasma, okay. yeah. So I, I'm with you on Oscar Isaac and Captain Phasma. Those are two characters I was excited to see in the film. And I liked when they were on the screen, but they were on the screen so little. It was kind of a disappointment at the end of the day. And not to let people off the hook, but specifically for what we just talked, for that number four for me, I think that that will change. No, I, have I, a, I have a feeling that in the movies that are to come, these people were just teasers. And they, you know, the, with any movie, you say, oh, you know, I like all these different characters. But this person had too little time. Mm-hmm. Probably giving them more time probably could have hurt the film, maybe could've. watered it down, made it too confusing. Well, and something so to keep in mind is when they did episode four, New Hope, they, they weren't setting up characters and giving them short amount of time knowing that they were going to be big characters in the next two chapters. They didn't know they were going to make the next two chapters. Right. So every character you had in A New Hope was a character that was fully utilized in the script the way it was supposed to. This is a trilogy where they, they know they're going to be making three movies, yeah. if not more. So I think the idea was, well, we can introduce some of these cool characters they're going to have bigger parts later, possibly, so we don't have to overdo them now. Right. But unfortunately, as a viewer, it's like, oh, Poe Dameron, and he's, I like his energy, and he's Oscar Isaac, and it's cool. And it's like, where'd he go? He's gone most of the movie. <laughs> oh, there's a chrome stormtrooper. That is so awesome. And it's a female, too. That's kind of unique. And she's gone. You know, we don't see her again. Right. So those were, I hate saying they're negatives, because I know in the grammar scheme of things, and I may look at this retroactively in the future as a whole new trilogy and see how big their arc may become. Sure. But as this one single movie, it's like, oh, man, you know, give me more of those characters. So yeah. I'm with you on that. Okay, my number three negative. Mm-hmm. Apparently, we're still trapped with some dumb names sometimes. Poe and Snoke. Really? <laughs> Poe, um, I don't mind. Snoke is stupid. Snoke yeah. is dumb. Yeah. Um, can first, we talk about General Snoke in general? Just that whole big bad guy? Yeah, we can. Okay, because for me, he was my number four. Okay. Um, it was extremely jarring when we first see him. Um, 
luckily he turned out to be a hologram because yes. that was one thing that really made me nervous when I first saw him. That I, I agree. When I first saw him, I was like, that's interesting. This is, you know, the introduction of him was kind of strange and it kind of left my wheels spinning. Cause I'm like, wait a second, are we supposed to know this person? Are we not supposed yeah. to know this person? Um, but yeah, it gave me a very Guardians of the Galaxy feeling when he was like this giant thing, but then it turns out hologram. So that's yeah. Okay. So the hologram saved it a little bit, but it was still just I felt more I was either in a Harry Potter film or Lord of the Rings film or something. <laughs> yeah, it just it just didn't match the tone of the rest I'd, of the film. I'd, yeah, I'm and there with you know, you. of course, we don't really get much out of him as a character, so it's hard to gauge if he's going to be an interesting character or not. He was used very sparingly, and it was in that same Emperor Palpatine kind of just overseeing what's going on and, and teasing about the future. And, right. But it's just the way he was presented, the giant hologram, the way it was sewn on screen just didn't work for me. I, I, it pulled me out of the film really quickly were right you, away. Were you bothered that the character was basically a CGI character? Did that bother you? Would you have rather it been a real person? Well, I always would rather it be a real it's person. It's portrayed by Andy Serkis. Yeah, it was, so. I would always rather it be a real person, but I will say I thought the motion capture on it looked pretty good for it to be a full CGI person. Sure. I just didn't like the spectacle in which it was presented to us. Gotcha. And all. And again, it was just, you know, they're teasing for the future again. I get that. But that was the villain that I was really let down by uh, to get introduced in this film. Okay. What's My, your number three? You're up to number three, I'm right? Actually, I'm up to number two. Oh, you are? Okay. Um, another giant battle station. Yeah. You, you hit mine as well. <laughs> the Starkiller base. Starkiller base. Um, that said, that said, mm-hmm. I think the realization of the giant battle station Starkiller base makes more sense than the uh, ones in the previous movies mm-hmm. in the fact that they seemingly have learned from their mistakes. And like, instead of building a giant battle station, why don't we take a planet and make it into like, I'm like, yeah. that actually makes some more sense. It makes sense, but I don't think it was very clearly explained in the film. And I don't think the realization of what this was was very well well explained or just talked about in the film either. Um, hmm. Basically, all we knew is it was bigger than the Death Star. The whole fact that it was a planet, actually, had I had to like kind of sit back and think about that and I, like realize it after piecing some stuff together. It okay. was not very clear to me. Okay. But it's still a giant freaking s- sphere battle station right. with a weak spot on the side of the building. I mean, right. it, it, it's, it's a little much to, to almost kind of slapping you on the head. Like really, mm-hmm. they're going to go after another giant big battle station and they're going to have to make this attack. And there's this one little weak spot that if they hit this weak spot, you know, it, it was way too similar. Mm-hmm. I thought from what we've seen before. And that was disappointing for me for that to be the big and space battle part of the finale. Now the finale kind of had a little bit of a return of the Jedi where there were multiple things going on in the finale. Oh, it was, had a little bit of return of the Jedi, a little bit of a new hope. Oh yeah. And a little bit of empire strikes sure. back all, all mixed in. put in there. Well, but I thought, I thought in the fun, the ending sequence, the whole attack on the star killer base was weak and nothing impactful. And it hmm. was just hard to follow. And I didn't really know what was going on with it. So yeah, it just didn't work for me. The whole big, uh, big evil force that they're fighting at the end just didn't. It didn't work. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you're number one. I think my number one and number two may have been able to be switched, but um, I think in watching the movie, this is what kind of jumped out to me: C3PO and R2D2. Mm-hmm. I'm done with you. And uh, this is your number one negative. Yeah. And wow. B- BB-8, I you know, had seen the toys all over Walmart and I, mm. I didn't know his role didn't know what he was, but I figured he was just like, Oh, this is a new droid. I was surprised how much I liked him. Yeah. And actually him taking on kind of the mantle of R2D2 without having an annoying counterpart in mm-hmm. C3PO. Mm-hmm. And I was done with those two and they come in and I'm just like, Oh, like it was, it was almost not, it wasn't a jar jar moment, but it was almost like, Oh, Really? really? Like, oh, I didn't see that. Bad. Yeah, I they was, were so sparingly used, though. Thank goodness. And I think that was intentional. It was like we got to throw them in, kind of as a little fan service, and to kind of tie it all together. But I think BB-8 is the droid we're following going forward. I hope so. I hope we don't yeah. see C-3P and R2D2 yeah. again. Well, my negative, you didn't really hit on it, okay. but actually, my top two negatives. Well, we hit on it a little bit the second one, but it's a big, broad negative on thing. 
the whole thing for me, I'll go ahead and say on the record, I really did like this film, but I didn't love it. And I'll tell you the reason I didn't love it is I felt like it had all of the right elements together with characters, tone, the look of the film, the old and the new stuff, all that. But I thought the story and the plotting, not dialogue, but the plotting of the whole plot in general was just didn't work for me. I, actually, I've even had to sit there and remember exactly what transpired in the middle third of the film because it was just kind of it was a lot of patchwork from older films. It was a lot of repeating of plot points. There was a lot of kind of all over the place with where characters were going and their motivations for going there. I just really thought the story and the plotting had a lot of issues with it. And that's my biggest negative of the film. If it was a better written story, but you take all the same characters, the same look and tone of the film and everything else, it would be a perfect film. It's just the story and the plotting for me really tripped it up. And I found myself way too many times realizing, wait a minute, this is just like New Hope. Oh, wait a minute, they did this just like Return of the Jedi. Um, you know, oh, Poe is on a, on a desert planet and he's got something and he has to give it to a droid before he gets captured. And the droid has to go find somebody on a desert planet to like give that to. And it's just, oh my gosh, this is so, that's even in the first 15 minutes. It's like, that is so exactly like the plot of episode four. To me, the storyline and the plotting of the film is what my biggest issue with it. I just, I have a hard time dissecting a lot of the parts of the story and understanding where the story was going the whole time. And it just felt like it was a lot of cool scenes and a lot of cool moments, and a lot of great dialogue and a lot of great characters. But the story was so jumbled. I felt like in trying to force so much in this patchwork, I, I just, that's what kept me from really saying, I love the film. Um, I'm right now in like in a three and a half out of five stars. I'm not in a, super high level on this maybe i'll feel better after i watch it a second time but that's my number one big issue with it is just the plotting in general of the film it's it's hard for me to rate star wars films yeah, i mean money. i walked out of phantom menace and i would have given it five stars <laughs> right. now on subsequent viewings with the blinders off and the nostalgia lenses had fallen to the floor i saw how irritating jar jar binks was mm. um so that came down um with this i like you say i like it a lot and I think overall, if I were to sum up everything, my misgivings is not quite the same, but it's kind of resonating the same with you, is that watching the film, I really admired a lot of things that were happening, but it was kind of distracting to me how similar they were to other films. Yeah. Now, that being said, um, similar but kind of changed a little bit mm -hmm. and kind of like rebooted much like James Bond franchise with Daniel Craig. Mm -hmm. It's like... They're taking things. They're turning them on their head. Yeah. The fact that Ray is a major character, mm -hmm. and she's female, obviously. So um, I appreciated it, and I think what I was, what I am truly desiring from this franchise, and I think from what you're saying, possibly you too, is that basically this was safe. J.J. Abrams yeah. gave us a safe movie that did make references, that did have R2-D2 and C-3PO, that did have a major bad guy in Kylo Ren, that did have, you know, Han Solo in there. So they knew, and it was, they didn't go any outside of the comfort zone story-wise. And I think, mm -hmm. or give you anything really fresh to chew on story-wise. However, mm -hmm. that being said, with Ryan Johnson for episode eight, I feel like that's uh, there's there's great opportunity and hope that that's where this could go is kind of mm. this is kind of setting you up saying okay sure. guys here's where we are and then hopefully they'll well, go I will, I will gladly ways. say that i think this film does a wonderful job of getting people excited for where star wars is going sure absolutely i did more reading about star wars after i saw this film hmm. than i did with any of the prequel movies when i saw them with the prequel movies it's like okay i just watched the movie i'm not really that interested in knowing What's going to happen next? I'll mm. just wait till the next movie comes out. Here, it's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with this character? What does this mean that this happened? So it did rekindle that enthusiasm. But I agree with you. It was really safe. And I still look at I mean, I, even right now, I'm trying to think from plot-wise. I mean, I know what happened at the beginning of the film. Poe getting captured and then Finn, the whole Stormtrooper thing. Right. But then it's like, from that point on, it was like, Okay, they're here. Now they're going here. Now they're here. Now they're here. Now somebody else is captured by Kylo Ren. And now this. And it's just... Well, and, I, and, and some of the things I'm honestly going to get into is spoilers. Because I think more of my plot holes and questions and things that didn't work for me 
get into the spoiler territory. So, well, I think we're fair. I think we've yeah. given a good enough review. We both liked the film. Yeah, um, I do I, really I, like the film. I am more borderline on maybe love it, and we'll get to that in spoiler territory. Mm. Um, but you you like it, but you don't. Love it. I really like it. I'm just I'm just shy of loving it. Maybe a second viewing will, will make me feel better. The one other thing I'll say that I thought was just a big letdown for the film with me. Okay. There were a lot of cool moments in the film. Okay. But there was no one really standout scene for me. Oh, man. Because I look back and I'll actually, I'll actually go to a Chris Fry side on this. As much as I don't care for the prequels, I do think that the Darth Maul lightsaber duel at the end of episode one is one of the coolest scenes in all Star Trek movies, Star Wars movies. And I don't feel like we had an equivalent action sequence in this movie that I just afterwards was like, wow, that was cool. Uh, we've got to get into spoiler territory. Okay, sure. Are we officially? We're, okay, so. Well, I think let's wrap it up and just okay, say sure. that I had some misgivings, but I did really like the film. I'm extremely enthusiastic about where this has put the trilogy going forward. I have no concerns about the direction they're taking right now. I have some misgivings about the story plotting and some of the choices in this film. But, you know, that's. It's a big budget science fiction movie that's trying to please a wide variety sure. of people as well as rope in some new people. Absolutely. And I'll tell you right away, my wife loved this movie, which mm-hmm. never would have expected that. I mean, she even was like, I think she even took a pillow into the movie theater with us because she was expecting to sleep. <laughs> and see, she said within that's 10 awesome. minutes, she's like engaged and ready to go. Huh. So this film has done the right thing. It has rekindled our enthusiasm and it brought in a whole new audience. Wow. I just... I'm probably going to be more critical about it than than the common viewer will be. And I did have some misgivings with it that kept me from saying I absolutely love the film. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so so, now- we'll, so we're done with the main review. If you have not seen the film and we have piqued your interest, we definitely say yes. Go out and see it, especially if you have any Star Wars enthusiasm in your body. This is It's, it's worth seeing. It's absolutely great. And it definitely sets up a good uh, direction going forward. So now we're going to pause for a few seconds and then we'll jump into some spoilers. As I sip some coffee, just wait for a moment for everybody to shut off their <laughs> podcast player. You may take a few moments to find your pause button on your podcast. We understand, you know, we're giving you a few seconds. I'm with the band on the mesh.tv features regional music acts discussing their craft and live performances. Subscribe to I'm with the band on the mesh.tv and swim around in the heads of your favorite regional musicians. And we're good, I think. All right, so Chris, I've got a lot of questions. Okay. Well, and, the, you know, I think the fact that you walked away from a Star Wars movie kind of confused because yeah. it was kind of chopped up, I think that's really a good thing. For me, it is a good thing because okay. I am kind of the same way, but I look at it as, I guess I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because of nostalgia, but I'm like, wow. That had a lot going on. It makes me want to see it a second time True. to figure things out as opposed True. to just being like, you know, you walk out of some other movie and it's just so spoon fed to you. And you're like, oh, no, uh, I wasn't looking you know. for spoon fed. No, no, no. My but, issue was was plotting more sure. of, OK, so now they've captured this person and now they're going back over here. And then this whole star killer base is kind of just thrown in and didn't really make a lot of sense and all that. Let me let me jump into some questions I've got sure. because a lot of them are very spoiler based and I want to hear your thoughts on it. These aren't necessarily things that bother me about the film. It's just these are more questions I've got. Some of them I felt like should have been answered. But a lot of them I'm happy with the questions not being answered. I want mysteries for the future. Um, like, for example, okay, so Finn was a stormtrooper. And he just out in the midst of battle decided he didn't want to be a stormtrooper anymore. He wasn't happy with what was happening there. A, I have a question about when the rationale of going from clones to real people happened. I think we'll get that. I hope so, because I'm curious about that. I know there was a conversation between Hux and Kylo Ren about Hux was wanting to use clones, but it sounded like Kylo Ren was the one who kind of encouraged them to start cultivating babies to become stormtroopers, because I think even Hux said, well, this is, you know, this guy's gone renegade, and if we had used clones, it wouldn't have been a problem or something like that. So I'm curious about that whole transition. See, I don't even, see here again. That's why I can't wait to see this movie again. I don't even remember that conversation. Okay. I remember a conversation between um, Finn and somebody where he's like, yeah, I was taken from my family at a young age. And you're yeah. like, okay, so that explains why you're African-American instead of being right. like, you know, looking like all the clones from the other movies because 
you were done, you were a different type of stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. So that, that was good. I didn't even catch that other conversation. Yeah. So that's, I think, I think it seems safe. like there was some major strategic decision about whether to use clones or real people. Okay. And, and so that's, I'm curious about. Sure. Also with Finn, I really like Finn's character. I okay. think it's an interesting character that here's somebody who's basically defected from the empire mm-hmm. And is now willing to help the resistance, and he kind of has a little bit of a falling for for Ray, and he's, but he's also not really sure of himself in a lot of things. But yet, here's a guy that picks up a, a lightsaber and seems to be pretty good at it. Holds his own with Kylo Ren for a while. Right. That was that was one of those moments where it's like, Ugh, okay, I don't get that. I understand that they were. I think J.J. Abrams was trying to throw us all off the path. Yep. He wanted everybody to think that Finn was going to be this Force-sensitive guy who was going to become our big hero of the right. trilogy. Absolutely. And I think the turn was, nope, it's not Finn. It's a it's chick. Ray, which is cool. <laughs> yep. I like that. Yep. But to play with us so much by even giving having him wield a lightsaber and being pretty good at it for a while. I mean, he's holding off a guy who's been using and training well, for years. So how did that happen? I don't know using and training for years. Mm-hmm. He is not finished he is true. Now I know Kylo Ren is not finished. Training. He's not finished. Yeah. And I, that was made pretty, pretty evident. Yeah, but still. And I think the only reason, um, Finn was able to do anything is because of his whole like military background. Yeah. But and the fact that he'd been trained to, and stormtroopers, if you saw when, um, he battles, yeah, he battles a stormtrooper and they now have this like, yeah, I don't have a lightsaber, but I'm going to beat you with this other like I, attachment I that. that they and have. And I realize so that he's like, okay. a trained professional to fight. I just thought that was a little stretching for me. I mean, yeah, to to kind of and I know what they were trying to do. They were really trying to build up our thoughts of that's a J.J. Abrams thing. He was building it up to be like, oh, hey, yeah, Finn. Finn's got a lightsaber. He's even in the movie poster holding a lightsaber. This is going to be your new Jedi. Oh, no, sorry. Hmm. It's going to be over here. I didn't mind the switch. It's just the build up Finn that way. I felt like Finn was a character. He's such a good character that they kind of didn't really know what to do with him during the course of the film a lot. He was bouncing around in roles, bouncing around in kind of his capabilities. One moment, he doesn't seem very capable of doing anything. And then another minute, he's wielding a lightsaber. And it's like, it was a, it was a little problematic for me, hmm. that, 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 that character. Why? And this is, this is all about Ray now. I like the way the film ends. Okay. Oh, Okay. I do. I, like, I the film. like the way the film ends. And when you're saying there wasn't a, like, I thought there were several shots that were really good in like instances, the way this film ends, I'm actually hard pressed to think of another star Wars movie that has such a great, great final. Well, shot. And if you that think is about it, amazing. This is the first star Wars movie that's ended on the closest thing you could call a cliffhanger. Oh um, man. Okay. Great. Every other film and the way had it was a done clean a closure to it. Literally a cliffhanger because they're on a cliff. Yeah. Um, but, but here's my man, question with so it. Great. So great. But here's great. my question with it. Why, and, and you maybe have an, maybe a second viewing will explain this. Why, if the whole premise of this film, even in the, the crawl at the beginning, Luke Skywalker is missing. Mm-hmm. The whole point of this film is find Luke Skywalker. Right. The First Order wants to find him because Kylo Ren wants to finish the job Darth Vader did. Yep. The uh, Resistance wants to find him because they, the, he's the one beacon of hope with the, with the Force and the right. Jedi, and maybe he can help. So why, when they finally get this map, which the map is a mystery, and I'm fine the map being a mystery, where it came from and how they got it. The map being a mystery is kind of like a MacGuffin yeah. Hitchcock style that's kind of goofy, but you well, just have you to kind just of gotta wonder where would this, who would put this map together? Right. Did he put it out there and then break it yeah. up? Or, yeah, it's kind of weird. But why but, do you send Ray to go get him? She, they've known her, her for a few days at this point. And yes, they probably have picked up that she's got some connection to the force, but why, when all of this film, the resistance, and everything is so built up on this. Why do you send Ray off by herself, basically to go see Luke? I mean, yeah, I don't know. That was a huge issue for me at the end of the film. It didn't bother me because I kind of knew that's where the story was going. It doesn't bother me. I mean, Leia is the commander, general, whatever she is now. She's not a princess, but she's a commander or a general, and she's like leading the whole – so who else would go? Well, I'm not even saying that it's a matter of Rey couldn't go, but why is it almost like a solo mission for her to go? This is an important Well, I think it's a solo mission for her to go. I mean, I can justify it. I don't know, but I can justify it. He doesn't want to be found. Right. He has gone. He's like, I screwed up raising Jedi's. I don't want to be involved in anything. I think it's my fault. I'm gone. So she now feels like she has some power. She feels like maybe she needs to be trained or whatever. She like says something's going on Mm -hmm. with me. 
I was directly attacked or whatever by your former apprentice, Kylo Ren. I'm going to go to, and I, I think that's why, I mean, why? Because it's, it had to be that way for the story and it's setting it up, but it didn't. It's a much better shot. The two of them on the cliffside looking at each other, her giving the hand, the lightsaber a lot better than a whole army showing up and like being there with them. I mean, I understand why, but yeah, it's, it's convenient, but well, and then as we go into, into, into Ray a little bit more as well, I'm I'm perfectly happy and fine with Ray's family and history being a mystery. That's cool. However, I think they've got a little bit of a tough spot right now. Okay, because I go ahead. I think the mystery aspect is interesting, but I'm afraid it's going to be a kind of shrugging your shoulders in the end game. I kind of feel the same way. And so the let's reason, just say if if she turns out to be Luke's daughter, which how is how can of the she theories, not be? How can she not be? Right. And but yet now, so okay, so every Star Wars movie when it ends, the next chapter picks up so many years later or so much time later. Right. I've never seen a Star Wars movie that the next chapter picks up the moment the last one does. Okay. So if she is his daughter, if she's meeting him and she he opts to now train her in Episode Eight or whatever may happen, mm-hmm. are we going to be strung along with this mystery of oh, is Luke her father or not? And obviously they've been training together. Luke's not going to say anything to her. There's how do you stretch that out from that point now when they've just now met and some time is probably going to pass between Episode Seven and Eight to not have that revealed in the interim? Well, I'll say this. Um, so the thing that I thought had been spoiled for me. And since we're in spoiler territory, we can do whatever now. I thought, because I hadn't seen anything, hadn't read anything, I thought Luke Skywalker was actually Kylo Ren. Yeah, I know you And I know that you probably he thought had that. gone he had gone evil and that mm-hmm. he was me. Even when the movies start up and they said, Oh, we're looking for Luke Skywalker and there's I still thought because of the whole voice disguising yeah. thing, I thought no Luke and I think they wanted you to. Luke Skywalker that. is actually found. This is him. He just wants to wipe out all traces of Jedi. Yeah. Like, and I thought, and until they revealed who Kylo Ren was, which it turns out, we can go ahead and say he is Han Solo's son, Ben Solo. And um, I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that they like very easily, if they wanted to, they could have strung that out the entire movie and yeah. only told you at the end. And they tell you that maybe in the first third. Maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And that was like, my was like, oh, and that was a relief to me, A, that it wasn't Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And B, they didn't string you along the entire movie, yeah. which they could have. Then the second thing that my mind was like exploded on the floor when this happened, when he has the confrontation with um, Ray and he takes his mask off, I was like, what? Like yeah. you're do- you're showing us that? What? what? And then it was Adam Driver, who I really like. And the yeah. fact you're saying he wasn't disfigured, he mm-hmm. was, it was just Adam Driver. There he was. That blew my mind. And there again, that's something they could string you along. Who is under the mask? Okay. Like, and they didn't do that. Once you figure out, oh, okay, it's not Luke Skywalker, but it's his son. They could string you along for a whole Mm. movie and then reveal at the very end when his mask gets not. And they didn't do that. Well, I think they had to do that earlier and rightfully so, because that makes the showdown with Han and Ben so much more impactful. If it had been one of those things where they approach each other and you didn't know who who Kylo Ren was, and all of a sudden this mask comes off and it's like, son, and blah, blah, blah. You just... You wouldn't have the impact of Solo's well, death at that point. I don't think be that's what was so amazing yeah. to me is that I didn't realize why they were doing it. Yeah, I didn't know the pay. That you know, like yes, you're right. That's totally why they have him take his mask off because you see he's young, he's a son. You get it. But then in kind of the climax of the movie, he has the confrontation with Han Solo, and it's a very I, impactful scene because of the way they've let it build up to that point. Yeah, and that was, and even you see. Han Solo see Kylo Ren walking away and like totally and like Kylo Ren kind of the whole time he knows Han Solo is there he knows Mm. he's in around but he's just like whatever not going to interact with him not going to talk to him not going to do anything it's probably a little bit of that light side of the force still kind of pushing him away saying you know what you don't don't want to have this this interaction and Han Solo makes the choice he's like okay I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out I'm gonna go confront him and he does and that was just well, plus that giving us awesome. that revelation of who Kylo Ren is earlier in the film allows us to have the moment with Han and Leia that mm. they do talking about the situation, which granted, I didn't think was the best scene, but at least there was a scene where they can acknowledge what their relationship had become and why yeah, because and of I, it. Yeah, something about that didn't quite work, mm-hmm. and I don't know what. Um, I don't well, know if it just... Maybe it was actually too extended and they tried to pull a little bit too much emotion or something. I don't, 
Yeah. Something about when they finally, Han and Leia finally met. Yeah. You see them after they haven't seen each other for a while and they meet and they talk and then it just somehow felt a little off. Well, I had no issues with the Kylo Ren slash Han Solo slash that whole storyline at all. I thought it was handled perfectly. Loved every moment of it. Even though it is very mirroring Empire Strikes Back. I didn't bother, it didn't bother right. me. Right. The only, didn't bother the only, me either. The only misgiving I had is, is just as soon as I see Han walking out on this scaffolding with Kylo, I'm like, okay, well, you know where this is going to go. And this has a very Empire Strikes Back feel to it. I was okay with I it. I was on it board. It was just that one little moment. I'm like, up, oh, yep, okay. I, I got Actually, a feeling I know where I'll this give is you go. this. So, you know, we're in spoiler territory. It doesn't matter. When that was happening, I liked it. I felt I knew where it was going, but there was a moment when Kylo Ren, as he holds out the lightsaber, I was actually worried that Han Solo was going to take it and cut his head off. <laughs> that actually wow. crossed through my mind. I was like, man, this is about to get basically, that been dark. he's like, dad, I need you to do something. Like, I need you to kill me yeah. because I don't want to become dark. And Han Solo was like, okay, like... And I was afraid he was he was going to kill his son. And I'm like, that is going to go so dark. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't have. think that would have. And sure enough, that's not what happens. And he kills Han Solo. But, you know, he just it's just kind of like it happens. And I think it needed to happen. It mm. needed to happen. It was the, that's what we were referencing in the perfect story. No, arc, I agree. I agree. Is that, you know, I think that whole that whole storyline. But yeah, you, you do well. kind of see it coming because of the high gantry way. And it's like, why does everybody get killed on a real high <laughs> like yeah. catwalk type thing? It was but a little distracting, it. but but I didn't mind it. I mean, it was fine. And that's that's to me. Let me address one of the points you said that you never felt like we got a really light, good lightsaber battle. My excuse mm-hmm. for that is that. Kylo Ren is still learning and the two people he was fighting are definitely still learning. And the thing that I liked about Mm -hmm. it, instead of being a lightsaber battle in a space station, it's outside in a snow forest. No, no, the setting was was cool. Amazing. I I, I guess my thing is it wasn't even that it had to be a lightsaber battle. I mean, if you think about it in new hope, we didn't really get an epic lightsaber battle. We had Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, which was really not a big lightsaber battle. It was pretty quick, short ended. I didn't need a big lightsaber battle at the end of the film. I needed just some really, really cool action set piece that we just took our breath away almost. Mm. And I didn't feel like we got it because the attack on the Starkiller base was pretty weak. And then the the lightsaber fight was cool, but it wasn't really cool. I mean, it wasn't something where I'm just like, oh, I really want to watch that sequence again. Well, honestly, episode one, that's probably why I came out of episode one pretty high on the movie because I was remembering that last 20 minute fight. And it is pretty amazing. You know, but when you watch the first hour and a half of it, you're like, uh, it's a lot of junk to get through to get to that really cool battle. So. I, th- I think one of the things you mentioned was that we're just assuming Ray is Skywalker's kid. We're assuming. I, you know, There's no other. How else could they explain Here's the it? thing that would make me cranky. And mm-hmm. I really like, you know. I don't want it to be that because it's so predictable. But let me tell you something that could be kind of predictable that would really irritate me if it happened and mm-hmm. would be worse. Mm-hmm. If she is like the kid of Han Solo and somebody else and not Leia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or so, or no, I guess it would have to be Leia and somebody else, not Han Solo. So that's why she has the force. And like, mm-hmm. if that's the case and she's actually somehow Han and Leia's kid or just Leia's kid, that would irritate me because they didn't acknowledge that exactly. they knew her. And I actually thought that was going on too, where like Han's like, oh, I want to offer you a job. And I want, yeah, and it was basically like, I want to take that. care of this daughter that I abandoned, just like well, Luke and Leia the got only abandoned. Thing I can like, imagine. That Here's would, the that only would thing I can imagine. Because if you notice, and somebody pointed this out to me, and it's rightfully so, when they come back to the Resistance after the the final showdown and after Han's dead, yeah. um, Leia doesn't hug Chewie, doesn't hug anybody else. She hugs Ray, a girl she supposedly doesn't really know. Doesn't know. But supposedly they're hugging. Now, the only thing I could see they could try to pull out is saying that Han and Leia did know that's their daughter. And they were pulling a little bit of a Luke and Leia where they were trying to separate them right, and protect them. Right, That's going to irritate me so well, much. See, I think that's weak. I think, that, I think they want to have enough of that question mark in your head right now when the film ended. And that's why they didn't make it so super clear that Luke might have been her father. Right. I, I think they're going to have to go the route of Luke's her father. I hope. And so you, then you've got Ray and Kylo Ren as cousins. Who are on opposite sides and they're and fighting it. I think that's that, the way that, you gotta go. Yeah. I, I and that's what I hope happens as opposed to she's Leia's daughter. Because that would really irritate me that she yeah. didn't that was never dry. that would to me that's like you're fooling the audience on purpose as opposed to just leaving out key information because it's like, yeah. no, we assume that like that would irritate what would be interesting, I would be curious how they could work it in, is if a third option is true and she's somebody like 
not related to any of them, like Obi Wan Kenobi's daughter. Well, somehow, yeah, I think about it. supposedly like Luke started a Jedi Academy. Yes, and so and, there were other people, and that one were of the being trainees was Kylo Ren, who yeah. didn't go so well. So there were other kids that were force sensitive or whatever they want to call it that he was going to train. Right. So it's very possible she could just have some little offshoot to somebody else and not even be directly connected and, to Luke and that and would Leia. be that would be I mean a Ben Kenobi also. I'm okay with that. That, yeah. that would that would be cool. I don't think they have to shoehorn it into that she's a direct lineage with them. It's just explain to me how she's force sensitive or how she has the force. That's all I need to know in the next movie. The only other thing I'll say about the film uh, just a, a little annoyance for me but I mean it is a spoiler. <laughs> I knew that Kylo Ren was alive still at the end of the film even after that snow battle and they're fighting I assumed he was alive. We don't really see him again, but we see him like laying there on a snowbank as the planet's blowing up. I know he's alive. I know he's going forward. But my is, kids, is that a question for you? My, oh, my kids kid actually came out both saying, "Man, it really sucks that Kylo Ren's dead." I'm like, "Oh, he's not dead." No, it's like I know we saw him laying wounded because he and they, Ray, they have a, they have a really big them. like earthquake. But the whole happened. planet's blowing right. up. You know, they rescue Ray and Ray rescues Finn. Right. And they take off, but nobody, we don't see anybody rescuing Kylo Ren. Well, but um, Snoke, sorry, I can't even yeah. say his name without yeah. laughing, but Snoke tells Hux, like, he's like, dude, this place is blown. Hux tells Snoke, hey, yeah. this place is blown up. He's like, all right, you know, abandon base, get out of there, but bring Kylo Ren to Yeah, me, I wish that you would just seen that one training. scene of them picking him up and taking him off. That's true. Go. It just would have clarified for a lot of people. And plus, right. there was even, you know, did Kylo Ren lose a leg in the battle? Because there was one shot where like oh. it swiped right in his leg you know and he fell over. And I I'm thought like, I don't know. I'll one up you one worse. During that battle, I kept thinking he was because there were some shots. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. tell. Me, but I thought at one point they cut his hand off. I'm it like, please like it, don't yeah. do that. It looked please. like he got a lot of limbs possibly cut off, but we don't see that. Okay. Um, so I'm. I wish they could have just tightened that up a little bit and let us know that hey, Kylo Ren, yeah, he's fine. He's he's gonna well, get recuperated. Well, you know what? I think he, or, I know. wouldn't be surprised because he comes to that snow battle and he's already been shot at by Chewie because mm. of what he did to Han Solo, and he has blood. He's bleeding, yeah. and I think he is getting more and more damage, such that I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of cyborgish yeah, in I the figured, next one. That's why I'm kind of thinking maybe if he did lose a leg, he's now yeah. got a little cyborg just leg. Just don't make it be a hand. Make it hand. I agree on. with you. It's a yeah. little too on the nose. I did think the little uh, quirk of him beating himself where his wound was yes. was just another one of those interesting characters. That That's why I like his character so much. Something that surprised me, and we, mm. you know, we're running long, especially if we're talking about one movie, but <laughs> something that surprised me that I liked, but I think they probably do need to taper it off, the humor of Kylo Ren not being able to control his temper. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. But I liked it. Oh, I did too. <laughs> and my kids really thought it was funny. I mean, he's like a petulant teenager. Absolutely. I mean, he was just with the, him start trashing the control panels there just because. And he know. does that once and you're like, okay, but then the, the second time when he does that, when you see some people coming <laughs> towards him out in the hallway coming. and you're like, you know what? We're just going to kind of turn around and go back. Yeah, we're like, well, that's why I love awesome. that character. It's not just pure menace. I right. mean, there's actually a human being that's like wrestling with emotions and not knowing how to control himself. And Adam Driver being able to carry that off, even with a mask on when I didn't even know it was him, I don't think yet. Where that first thing he gets angry, destroys stuff because a person's come and told him bad news, and then he kind of breathes. And he's like, "Anything else?" Like yeah, that. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like taking that beat was. Well, some of the humor was so great. I love the line at the beginning of uh, when uh, Poe is captured by Kylo Ren, and they're like, "All right, so do I start talking first? Do you start talking? Oh, what happens here?" <laughs> right. I love that because it's like, yeah, the, what is what is the typical protocol in this situation? You know? Right. Kylo Ren was funny in a menacing way in some moments and it just it just had a great personality to the whole film again if the story was just tighter a little cleaner not quite as chaotic trying to cram so much in i think i really would have loved this film that was just the one thing that just held it back enough from from not working so sure yeah okay well i think we have talked about this movie enough it's been about an hour as long as we probably talked about one film one film (laughs) um so great Star Wars The Force Awakens, we're both saying yes, good, very good. I'm at the very good level. Chris is at the very good, almost bordering on loving it level. Uh, we're both pretty high on it, but we do have some misgivings. So instead of a, you say three and a half, I guess I need to be three and three quarter stars, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love to give this up to a four because sure. I think it has the potential to be a four if I watch it again. But right now, I've got just enough little annoyances that it's it's good. It's really good. And I definitely want people to see it, and I want to see it again, but... 
this is a Star Wars movie. We're going to probably be more critical about this movie than probably any other movie we see this year. Sure. So, anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, for this special edition. Uh, happy 2015. Moving into 2016. We'll be looking forward to seeing you in the new year. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.